On tonight's Dad Band Land, here's some of what we're going to be talking about. everybody welcome to the grateful dads podcast the show where we break down the music of today and yesterday from the point of view of a couple of guys in a local cover band sound exciting it is i want to welcome my co-host kevin burke my guitarist and co-host hello how are you kevin good to be here it's great to be here actually i was looking forward to this all week because i needed to start talking about rock i've been going nuts yeah well this is gonna help then uh what's new with you kevin uh, it's been a vacation week, so it was like a week of skiing, and um, I am an atrocious skier, so it was a lot of me, like I'm totally cool with skiing on slopes with names like Easy Street, Toddler Lane, yeah. Elderly El- Elderly Alley, yeah. that's sort of my speed, you know? You so be ashamed, I'd, sure, yeah. Yeah, I'd be ashamed, <laughs> why are you here, why are you here? Um, yeah, no, so anyhow. Get out of my lawn. <laughs> after a week of after a week of that i pretty much dominated it and uh and now um now i'm here you know hey let's welcome the rest of our cohorts band manager brian frank how are you doing man i, I thought i was chief vinyl officer chief vinyl officer <laughs> brian frank what have you brought for us this week um i'm proud to be presenting the flaming lips at war with the mystics oh that's Woo! gonna be sweet and tasty and controversial because i have some thoughts uh, yes. You doing good, man? We all do. Doing great. Very happy to be here. As uh, I will echo Kevin's sentiments, been looking forward to it for six whole days. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Jeffy Branion, Chief Technology Officer. What is new in Branionville? Um, I'm here and I am hydrated. Thank you for the update. All right. So uh, just to break down what we're going to do on this show today. Oh, boy. This is pretty exciting. Me and Kevin are going to break down what it was like to play Just What I Needed with our dad band back when there was a world. Um, Then we're going to discuss the all-important question. What are some bands or artists that took big artistic risks that did not pay off? Then we're going to jump into Brian's House of Wax. And then uh, Guilty Pleasures, which we will do again because our audience liked it so much last time. Let's start with what's new with me because this is going to lead to something interesting to talk about, which is that last week, for the first time in, oh, I don't even know how long, thanks to the pandemic, I jammed with a bunch of guys. And Kevin, I jammed with a couple of guys from our band, our lead singer and our guitarist. Yeah, I heard that. That sounds good. I was not at that jam. Were you invited? I don't I don't believe I was. And I'm going to work on a number of reasons why I probably wasn't invited. And that would be maybe okay. I was out of town. Maybe. You, you were skiing. That's right. Maybe I have no friends. We uh, love you. Also possible. Maybe you have friends, but they just don't like you. Could be. <laughs> that's. That's exactly what I need to hear right now, Jeffy. That, thank you. That's great. I do know that there is generally what I've noticed amongst guys with acoustic yeah. guitars is there's yeah. generally this sort of movement towards like six or seven dudes with acoustic guitars playing uh-huh. a number of bands that I I can't exactly tolerate, and that's ding, sort of where ding, it all sort ding, of ding, oh is that is that what it was? Yeah, because you know you know that guy Ed and I love Ed. He was I love there. Ed too. Ed too. Is he's a, not he's in the a band. Pittsburgh he was fan. There. He's a Pittsburgh fan, but he's also a Grateful Dead fan. And yeah. we, the jam ended up being a lot of Grateful Dead. And you don't particularly cotton to them, do you? Nor do I. I n- no, no. I um, no. God bless anyone who can like them. I've never been a fan. In fact, I've not until I moved here. And I don't mean here, meaning LA. <laughs> I mean here, like in the in the valley. Like when I lived on the East Side or Hollywood, I <laughs> never right. met a, a person in my life who sincerely liked the Grateful Dead. I, I knew well, a lot of I people just who, saw Brian ironically, Frank raise his hand, but that's no surprise. <laughs> I know people who ironically oh. like them. I know a lot of people right. who would go to the shows just to get stoned and see what it was like. 
Uh-huh. I'm still stunned. And maybe you can explain this to me. Yeah, I'm still stunned, stunned to meet to meet people and they're like, "Yeah, no, I really I I really like the Grateful Dead." And I'm like, "That's your it's a bit. You're doing a bit, right?" And, and I gotta we, tell you, we exist. We exist. I know you <laughs> Brian, it's sad to me. I got to tell you, I mean like one of my trepidations at naming this podcast The Grateful Dads is that people would think that this was a podcast that was in some way super friendly to the Grateful Dead or even about the Grateful Dead. And well, I've had sleepless nights, nights about this, this issue. I wake yeah, up in really a cold you. sweat. It really bothers me. Is it um, too late no, to change I, it? It's well. not too late to change it. We haven't launched yet. But um, in case you're hearing this after we've renamed it something else stupid, um, <laughs> the original podcast <laughs> title here was The Grateful Dads. Well, and, you're not going. Think, you're not going with my idea of dad with two D's like rat. You're not into that, and, and no, I think that's because, weird. Because because I don't consider rat an upgrade from the dead. But I will oh, say that. In oh college, no! Sorry, okay, well man. I'm just gonna. We're gonna have to agree to disagree on that. That one. Yeah, right we are. We are. But in um, college, I went and saw the Grateful Dead. And okay, was, okay, let me back. Can I can I back this up? You, you why why why? Like what well, my, compelled you? My, like were you you're you're of an age where that would have yeah. been a parody? Like that would have been. Oh well, yeah. God! Right, it's this sort of thing. And look, there are plenty of mediocre things that baby boomers have forced upon later generations, right? Yes. And, and, and that is absolutely, absolutely true. near the well, top, well, near the top oh, of this. And yeah, so, were you absolutely. going as a joke? Like you're a comedian, were you going like, uh, you know what? I'm gonna do a little comedy research on this. On this, sort experiment. of, sort of. You see, my 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 uh my incredibly irresponsible RA freshman year uh invited me to go to the, to see the Grateful Dead in Providence, and my roommate was like, dude. Jerry's gonna die soon. We should totally do this. <laughs> yeah, that's see the that's dead not once. inaccurate, though. By the way, yeah. that's not that's no, not wasn't inaccurate. That, wasn't that? I mean, this is it, it didn't live that much longer, so, right? No, right. he didn't. So um, I said yes, and but like it was a terrible experience. It's, it's a, probably a longer story than we have time for tonight. But my tale of seeing the dead is a tale of literally of sex and drugs and rock and roll. Um, and, was it? Are you glad you went? Was it a good? Ultimately, a good experience. I mean, you have a story to tell. Well, no, I, I, you know, maybe we don't walk through the story this time. Maybe we walk through it another time because I do see the clock is ticking. We well, one thing I got to say, one thing I got to say, just period, though, is the Grateful Dead is a great name for a band, but it feels yes. like it should be, it should be, they should sound like creator. It should, it should be like a Norwegian metal yeah. band. And instead it's what it is. It's like Simon and Garfunkel's slacker cousin music. Right. So I'll, I'll break this down to you. Just give you the, the highlights of the story is that the sex and the drugs came a long time before the rock and roll in that it's something that happened to me the night before, and I got mm. w- stumbled back to my dorm the next morning to be reminded that I had agreed to go to the dead. Hopped in a car <laughs> from Boston to, to um, you know, and, and also I had a borderline eating disorder at the time, so I weighed like 145 well, pounds. That's a, that's a whole separate story, it seems like. Yeah, oh, absolutely. How okay, okay. the drive? Where did you drive to? From Boston to Providence. I hadn't had any sleep okay. or anything to eat. I, I was six foot tall and weighed about 145 pounds. A series of good Showed, choices. A series of really good choices, and I show up in front of the the uh, the, the uh, whatever the Centrum is there in Providence, Rhode Providence Island Civic Center. Thank yeah. you, Brian yeah, Frank. Nice. And, what um, year was it? Maybe I no, was there. Probably eighty six. Um, a little before it, me. Okay. In any case, yeah. I'm there. I'm in front of there, and for the and I for the first time in my life, online outside, pass out. Wow. Hit the ground. Wow. And as I regain consciousness, there's this like hippie dude up talking to my R- my irresponsible RA, and he's like, "Dude," he's saying this to my RA. Um, <laughs> what was he on? And my and my RA says, "I don't know." And the guy goes, "Can I buy some?" Wow! Oh um, man, I didn't as realize this was an away. RA sponsored trip. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say though, I. Yeah, I see. I see where the, there's sex and drugs here. I still have yet to see when rock and roll possibly comes into the story. Is this? Well, is they the... revived me, and then I went into the the the, the civic center and I uh-huh. watched the dead, and I came away with the impression I had going in, which is like, you know, this is jazz for people who don't get jazz. Sure, for people who aren't good at jazz. Yeah, it's like jazz life. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Brian is collapsing over there. Brian, what <laughs> do you want to say? This is driving him crazy. This is triggering him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as a as as an appreciator of jazz and appreciator of the Grateful Dead, oh I will beg to differ. But I think we should save. I mean, this could be a whole other story for a whole other time. And we are coming up on the 50th anniversary of Skull and Roses, and I hope that we have the opportunity, maybe, for me to pull that out of the House of Wax. We'll listen in June. to it. 
and yeah, discuss. No, no, we'll, yeah. We'll, yeah, yeah. No. We'll, yeah no, but I don't I want will... anybody to get the sense that this is going to become a Grateful Dead podcast. No, no, no. no, 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 no let, me you, let me tell you something, Adam, 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 Adam. If there's a chance for us to prove this will not become a Grateful Dead podcast, it's it's us reviewing that record on on a podcast. <laughs> I think the best thing to do is to just talk about it now and get it out of our systems. No, 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 yeah, well, that might have been enough right there, but we're not going to talk about that album right now. What we're going to do... No, 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 I wasn't suggesting that. (laughs) What were you suggesting, Jeff? That that we move on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, Kevin, let's move forward to the next section, which is playing the song. Playing songs in a band of dads. Yes, and when we we last had a band of dads, the song I want to talk about this week is the amazing uh, um, song by the Cars. Just What I Needed. Yeah, it's just what I needed. Yeah, which is great. First of all, The Cars, one of my all-time favorite bands. Absolutely stellar band. Very few bad Cars songs. Very few, you know, not stellar Cars albums. An absolutely outstanding band. And this is is pretty much a classic. Everyone seems to know it. People can sing along. It's got an easy sing-along part. Um, It's also got a pretty prominent... But everybody feels like a genius knowing how to sing the backup on the chorus. Totally. Jump in early and go, just what I needed. Yeah, and it's a little bit yelled. There's not exactly a melody to it. It's pretty pretty easy. But there's also a pretty pretty prominent keyboard part, which which is one of the things that I think worked pretty well for us because you got to play that part. Yeah. Oh, no, we're just going. Yeah. Not Uh, enough keyboards for you? Well, here's the thing. I was was bitching so much about not having a prominent keyboard part. And then we get to this song, and we were able to create it basically instrument for instrument, note for note. And when I played that keyboard solo between verse verse one and verse two, I, you know. Let's hear it. So when I would play that, right, like the audience would look at me and there'd be these dudes playing like air keyboards and other dudes <laughs> That's pointing a guitar. at me. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. Air keyboard is like when you, when you, it's like air guitar. No, they were playing air keyboard. No, them. no, no. Because air guitar would be in front of their chest. No, like it was guitar. me. I was playing air, I was playing, I was playing air guitar on my guitar. I always try to not look at you when you do that. Um, <laughs> but in any case, uh. The, and, and so that's that's really gratifying. But the problem is, is that that part is really simple and dull for for you, but not for the audience. Remember, it's it's for them. I know, I know. But what I'm saying is, almost every non-keyboard song that I played, I did more interesting things than. <laughs> Don't come on. Well, to to that. Well, actually, to that point, that's one of the few songs that I um like. You have to play the guitar solo as is, right? This isn't the kind of oh, thing. Yeah. The cars in general are more are they're I mean they're real like live band of instruments, but you can equate them to like Two Way Army or Gary Newman or these bands that sound like synthesizers because everything is so in the pocket, right? So it's it's they're almost so tight. It, it's almost it's the really tight of and you how I want to play guitar. I want to play loose. Right. I tend to play loose, so but you can't. And that guitar solo would cause me sleepless nights because I couldn't just wing it. Like people, to your point, people know every note, and there's a section yeah. at the end of it where you move up a scale and. The fretting yeah, of it was strange. I had to change the way that I fingered it, fingered the position because I could not, I could not get it right. In fact, I was so s- kind of stressed about it that I, would, it became homework. I keep putting. If I remember every practice, I'd be like, "Yeah, I'll get to it. Eventually, I'll get to it." And I would wing something and never get to it till the day of because I could not. You did nail it though. Out. I mean, the, the couple of yeah. times we played it out, you t- you totally got it and nailed and it. And then immediately a, forgot it. Then immediately forgot yeah. it because it was. It was Let's too hear a little bit about that solo because that's fantastic. You gotta fantastic. play it every day to remember. <laughs> I declare okay, my yeah, finals. Yeah, no, that's so agreed. That's a great solo. Um, yeah, it and, is. And, and again, you know, there's no room f- for improv. It's exactly sort of note for note what you have to do. Same thing with my part. And you know, uh, the keyboard part gets interesting underneath the chorus a little bit later towards the end. Um, but you have to hit every note exactly right because that's the way it's written. Um, I think the most interesting part on it is the drums. Agreed. So that I even. I even took the the liberty of texting our drummer Trey and said, "What's interesting about that? Because to me, the drums shift in the middle of verses in a yeah. really weird and interesting in way. a way that my brain can't comprehend. Like I get it, so, I know when it happens. I, I can't do the math. Yeah. I can't crunch the numbers on that. <laughs> well, here I, I asked Trey, and he he texted me back and he said, 
The backbeat is inverted in that section. Drummers know it as displacing the beat. In this case, you're displacing the beat by one quarter note. I want to just like, I want to let um, uh, Kyle run that right now so that we can hear how in the middle of the verse, that drum thing just lays out in a completely different way. impossible and not only impossible but impossible to even think of like why would you be like you know what we need here guys we need to invert the beat by one half like that (laughs) but they did and it's killer it's really awesome um i have a kind of interesting history with the cars for one um i saw them in concert on their heart heartbeat city tour nice and it was at an outdoor stadium i think it was like where they used to play the u.s open in new york and um uh wang chung warmed up for them then the cars Ooh. came out, and then the rain came down, and the cars, after like two songs, were like, hey, you know what? It's raining, but rock and roll, we're going to stay out here as long as we possibly can. And they played one more song and left. <laughs> after the keyboardist was electrocuted. Exactly. Yeah, after yeah Greg Hawk went down. Yes. Greg Hawk down was the name of that night. <laughs> nice. <laughs> My other piece of trivia, and I want everybody to possibly check this out, and I don't have the name of the movie right here, is that in, a, in an indie film about the cars, I played their producer, the great Roy Thomas Baker. Wait, you played Roy Thomas Baker? Producer yeah. of the first, first Motley Crue album as well, just so you know that, in case that you yeah, just had to shoot of, that scene. And, and of Queen's Night at the Opera. I mean, yeah. that guy yes. was a yeah. legendary yeah. fucking producer. But I'm, gonna go, I'm just going to sit, sit on Too Fast for Love for a moment. We're just going to talk about that for a second. No, we're not. I'm thinking about so it. I, I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> okay, Give I me can a moment. see it on your face. Yeah. All right. T- take a all right, all right, I'm good. Okay. No, you so continue, I show, as you were. I, so I, um, it's a, Dave, a comedian friend of mine named Dave Juskow made the movie, and he took a, a, a kind of adorably lax approach to the story of the cars from the moment that they uh, broke through on that first album until the climax of the movie is Live Aid, which they thought was going to be a huge step for them. Um, but MTV ended up cutting away to the airport where Elton John was landing when they got their set. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, in any case, I just recently watched Live Aid in its entirety, and that you can still both, relive that magical cities, moment. London you can, and yeah, Philadelphia? yeah, you can watch it. Yeah, you can relive that magical moment. Yeah, because they cut yeah, away from the it's cars. The cars inverse, never got it's to the play. inverse of Queen's performance <laughs> that that on that thing, right? Which dominated the world. Um, so yeah, I showed up on the set of this movie straight from the airport. I flew back from LA to, to New York to make it. And I showed up, I had my lines memorized, and I said to Dave, the director, slash little man who was also playing Rick Ocasek, the large Rick Ocasek. What, said, what is this movie? Is this movie real? I don't know. It's, why are it's you? real. It's real. He just can't uh, remember the name, but it's real. It's real. I don't know the name of it. <laughs> I didn't dream it. <laughs> Kyle, look it up on IMDb so we can have the name before look it Look it up. It's called over. Real, the Real Cars Movie. <laughs> no, the director is Juskow, J-U-S-K-O-W. Um, and um, I showed up and I asked Dave Juskow, the guy who played Rick, I was like, um, you know, this dude you're asking me to play is English. Do you want me to do an English accent? And you know what he said? He was like, if you want. You know what? <laughs> he gave you creative freedom. Yeah. The the commitment to authenticity. Yeah. Well, the follow-up question is, what, what, did, what did you want? Yeah, I, I I played it. I I went with the accent. Okay, so let's oh, hear. Wow. Let's hear Roy Thomas Baker. Let's hear what he sounded like. like Cockney. I, that, dude, that was like 15 years ago. I have no idea what, yeah, he you sound, just, what I did. You oh, can just okay. do it again. Yeah, I probably did him like this, Governor. <laughs> oh, I like oh, that. that. You should play that. Yeah. Let's do another take of just what I needed. No, I I, I have no idea what I did. <laughs> I, 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 I sound went all like Rex my Harrison favorite chimney sweep. <laughs> I don't mind you coming here and wasting all me time. <laughs> I have no idea what I did. I gotta find a copy of this movie. This is my it's new life goal. It's out there somewhere. I think you can stream it on Amazon. It, uh, it know, aired it was... on. Uh, it aired on WR after the new monkeys. Oh, hey, oh, oh yes, that was yes. true. Before Morton Downey Jr. Oh wait, Kyle <laughs> just sent us a link. Can anybody click Ooh. on that? I'm. I'm... Looking, I gotta look. I gotta see. Yeah, this. yeah. Oh, tell us what the name of that he's movie is. Turbocharge. Turbocharge. Unauthorized yes. story of the cars. Oh my, oh my god, this wow. is real. Am I listed on the cast? Real. There? I'm looking right now at the full <laughs> cast. You are listed as Roy Thomas Baker. Somebody played Kenny Loggins. I'm in. Oh man. Oh man. I, oh my. Oh. In. How do I not know about this? Okay, this, this is, is everything I care about. about. 
you don't know about this because nobody knows about this. No, but, uh, this, Dave Jeskow, if you're out there I and listening, I love you, man. I, Holy who do shit. I know? How do we see this? How do we see this? How do we see this? How we gotta get it. You know what? I, I know that Dave lives. I, I will find him and get a copy of it. I don't have a copy of it. At least right. it's now now it's a treasure oh, hunt for our listeners. This wow. this is a treasure hunt for the hosts as well. Let's get back to the to the topic. I don't know. Um, <laughs> last thing I want to ask about the cars, and this is going to help open it up to all of us, yeah. is they were thought of as one of the first new wave bands. It was the beginning of new wave, mm-hmm. of the so-called new wave. And more, one of my questions is, what was new wave? It was kind of like, it wasn't punk. It was something that wasn't mainstream rock at the time. What was it and why? Well, I have a lot of theories too. I'm gonna, but yes, go yeah, ahead. I'm going to jump in as as musical historian, as chief vinyl <laughs> officer, chief vinyl officer, and say there's actually two different versions of new wave. I'm not talking about the French cinema, but <laughs> there's the uh, there's the UK new wave versus the American new wave, and so I will oh. uh, I will assume that Adam is talking about the American new wave which was essentially invented by Seymour Stein, the founder of Sire Records, really incredible guy. I had the honor of actually working with him briefly. Um, incredible, incredible guy. If you don't know about him, look him up. And he was the guy who had the Ramones on his label, for example, and he was concerned about the commercial viability of punk and having punk bands on his label. So for he good made reason. a concerted, yeah, so he made a concerted effort in America to try to rebrand bands as new wave to avoid the punk tag. However, in my understanding, the origination of the term new wave actually came in England from Malcolm McLaren, the manager of the Sex Pistols, for oh. the new wave of music um, that was coming post Sex Pistols. So, I hope you're not going to utter the name yeah. Sig Sig Sputnik in this. <laughs> no, we'll see. You're that talking for like the, uh, Ultravox, yeah. Ultravox, and Two Way Army, and those sorts of groups. Is that where? No, no. He these were actually punk bands, but oh, it was the from new the punk wave bands. of punk. Yeah, new wave of punk. Right. So it's okay. like the new wave of British heavy metal. America, exactly. Oh well, we can dedicate a whole episode <laughs> to that later. Maybe that'll just be Kevin and me and our offshoot. <laughs> talking about yes, yes. Yeah, so we can have yeah, there's definitely a whole Kevin and Brian, you know, uh, subsidiary podcast. That when we get our our Patreon account, you guys can 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 glom out about Kiss and other bullshit that nobody cares about. It'll be a, a 12, 12 hour episode about yeah. Raven. Totally. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, um, so it is interesting, Adam, and I'm with you. For those of us who are Americans, which is those of us who are actually participating in this podcast right now, and yes. maybe some maybe some of our listeners who aren't located in Yugoslavia, um, you know, think of New Wave as this like punk light almost, right? Or this mm-hmm. this like next a keyboard centric punk thing. There yeah. you go. Yeah, which I, is I, yeah. I would. I think that's really well put. And 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 Kevin, your keyboard point is well taken because there were a lot of keyboards there. I think there was also a lot more fun there. I, I think mean, there's also uh, punk, um, uh, punk uh, made it very punk, punk was a little too aggressive to be fun all the time. Yeah, and I do think I think the cars though to that example, I think they're part of new wave and certainly, but they're also one of those strange bands that people who love classic rock love the cars, right? People that love pop music love the cars. By the time I got into the cars, they were pretty much a full time pop music band. Do you know what I mean? It was in Magic and you might think and that sort of stuff. Oh, um, love that album. Heartbeat but they're yeah, they're a band. Album. Yeah, I wouldn't consider. You know, certain new wave bands, you know, would be beloved by people that love Ted Nugent. But the Cars happens to be one of those bands that that seems to appeal to a lot of people outside of the new wave world. So, yeah, I think the Cars are kind of underrated. Cat Scratch well, Fever doesn't have as much appeal as you might don't, think. Don't. I think don't. you're right. You might think you're right. Now, Jeffy, do you have any special attachment to the Cars? <laughs> because I know that the Cars kind of kicked off a musical wave that you have a lot of affection for. But the band itself? I no specific attachment to them. I mean, I you know it sort of bled into pop. You know right. what I mean? Like that's kind of how I think about it. I think about you know the police and like bands that are now sort of seen of seen of as kind of pop light almost even. Right, and and at the time, the police were new wave as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. very yeah. much on the avant-garde. All right, but well, no that, keyboards. 
but right. no minimal. Well, you know, minimal. They, 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 they picked up a lot of keyboards on that synchronicity album. Yeah, they there got there. Go. Okay, guys, and uh, hey, you know just what you needed? It's this. Let's move on to our next big question, our next yes. big segment of the show, which is a question I think that uh, was this Kevin's question. Kevin, was this yours? Uh, you was know, this? I'll take credit for it. It might have been because you know what? If this is the question, I think you're going to ask. It's something I think about all the time because what? I like this sort of thing. What big artistic risks did bands or artists take that really didn't pay off? You know, we got to frame this in something because. Because we do have the context of people taking risks that didn't pay off financially, but might have paid off creatively. My yes, favorite, Brian had a couple of those. Yeah, my favorite, though, are people's people's creative risks that fail on both accounts. They tend to sometimes be my absolute favorite thing. You know what it is? Because these bands, you know, most bands and most musicians, you know, obviously at a certain level are very talented. And at a certain level are surrounded by people that are worried about making the right choices. So when they get to make a bold, crazy choice that utterly fails, it, I find it extremely endearing. Like it just, it feels like a, it feels like a friend well, that I'm like, Oh, you know what? Terrible mistake, but I love you for trying that. That sort of throw thing. one onto the fire, throw an album on the fire. What, okay. What, like for instance, one about? of my, one of my early favorite ones is I guess Neil Young has a few of these, but Neil Young trans where he sings oh, with a robot the voice. The, with the vocoder thing? Yeah. So Neil Young, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, Neil Young, right? You consider him a pretty much more of a rock guy, acoustic guy, yeah. pretty much standard issue. Makes Trans, which is a robot voice album in the early 80s. Um, and, uh, and I mean, the first song in Trans is like a straight up Neil Young, like acoustic track that you would associate with him on any of his other albums. So it sort of, he sort of lures you in. You're like, oh, yeah, I like uh-huh. Neil Young. This will be pretty good. And then all of a sudden that robot voice comes in on track two and you are all in. And I'm like, and, and like I was saying about uh, music from the elder by kiss, uh, it's actually my favorite Neil Young album for that reason. I have a confession to make, which is that the, my introduction to Neil Young as a young MTV kid was him singing sample and hold <laughs> on MTV, which is we need a human yeah. to sample and hold. Oh, let's man. hear a little bit of that oh, man. right yeah. now. There it is. So no, here, no, as far as I was concerned, Neil what, Young was the robot me, guy. This is to me what absolutely makes Neil Young like light years ahead of any member of Crosby, Stills, and Nash, right? This is the fact that he would do something this and, and there's also an animated trans film being made that i just saw announced recently and i and i write animation so the fact that i was not singled out to write this is really stunning to me because i feel as one of the only fans of trans in the world i feel like yeah. the venn diagram of fans of trans and those who write animation is has got to be a circle that All i'm right. in well, that's a good one i want to leave that behind i just want to point out that it wasn't that innovative because um elo was doing that on mr blue sky like seven well, years well, before, yeah right? but was were elo members of crosby stills nash and young or buffalo yes, springfield um oh, yeah. uh, what else who else has a <laughs> let, let me name a couple what did i want to name right away nash and lynn all right, what's another one? That's right. One I want to name right away is uh, Kilroy Was Here by the band Styx. Happy, you know what this means? I'm leaving the army. I'm leaving all these Kilroy gags. I'm just a plain guy. Well, to that point, um, that's my first exposure to Styx was Mr. Roboto. And I got to say, yeah. that, was a, that was a career killer for Styx. They were arguably one of the biggest bands in the world. Um, Paradise Theater was a schmaltzy mess of an album, but a lot of people loved it. Um, Dennis DeYoung, the the balladeer, was kind of taking over the album from all these other rock and rollers in the, in the group. And he was like, let's do a rock opera called Kilroy Was Here with the song Mr. Roboto, and we'll perform it live on stage. It'll be like Tommy. And if you've never seen, everybody out there, go to YouTube. If you've never seen the behind the music, VH1 behind the music about sticks it's have, better yes. than spinal tap it's just a fucking <laughs> a riot and the best thing is is that they they he makes the rest of these rock and rollers do this album about you know the future and robots and orwellian stuff and they perform it once in the rain in a, an arena <laughs> in, in a stadium in houston and the band says never again will we perform that lump of shit <laughs> See, and, and, and yeah. does that make him you, you kind of like him a little bit more for trying that 
Because my next one is is, I mean, is, is I guess it's admirable. Right, right, right. right. I mean, of, it's the pursuit of for the, the stars, creative. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's the pursuit of the creative thing, right? right. And yeah. that's the thing. You could with Neil Young, you can go album after album with that, and and right. that's what I'd say about trans. I love that album. I have. A, a great original vinyl copy of Same. it. I have all Same. of his albums. You love uh, everything. I do. I love everything. But but the thing about Neil specifically is he always just pursued his muse, right? No matter what, right? And he didn't care even if his muse was a robot. Exactly. Yes. Well, no. I mean, it's actually it's really an emotional. There's a, story there's, there's about emotional there is an emotional story. There's, I didn't want to get into about yeah. why he has that. But as yeah. far as the fans are concerned, I don't know how we ended up back at trans. Yeah, exactly. You we know did, what? But, all, yeah. all roads lose the, the trans. Digital well, it um. Well, so. to your point, if I if I man, like I I I felt, when I was young, and it's hard for people to believe this, but when I was young. I I thought Metallica was a was a band that would always take risks and make crazy choices before they became the world's like largest rock band, right? Um. So one of my other favorite things is is more recent, which is the double album that with Lou Reed that Metallica did called Lulu. And if you haven't heard this, you have got to hear this because this is I am this the is, table. This is. <laughs> This is hugely maligned. Yet this is I enjoy this more than like any Metallica album since since the eighties or early nineties. What is it called? It's called Lulu. And and the Lulu. best description I've read of it is that is it sounds like a drunk old man wandered into a band practice and started yelling crap into the microphone, which is is what it sounds like. But there's nothing <laughs> there is literally nothing like this. And it's two so, full CDs of worth of this. There is a there is a track on it. There is a track on it called Junior Dad that I actually think it's thematic, but I actually think it is a truly outstanding song right near the end. It's 19 minutes long, but it is so good. Let's hear five seconds of that right now. I am the table. I am the view. Okay, I may never listen to that. Jeffy, do you have one that you want to throw on the table? No, I didn't bring one. Okay, Okay. I will. No, 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 I do have one. (laughs) I mean. This is maybe controversial on, on the, in this crowd, but um, the uh, the the Roger Waters album. Um, please help me. Radio One of the chaos. Pros and cons of hitchhiking. Of hitchhiking. Right, right. Um, you know, uh, I think I, I don't know if I would call it ambitious, but I would call it a failure. So he took. A- <laughs> Was it an artistic risk? I don't know. Was it no, that, that, that is yeah, yeah, the yeah, risk yeah, was yeah. putting out another album, I guess. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Well, he, it was he to continue to make point. music. Yes, that was his, yeah, his he, risk. I, uh, I, uh, that that's an interesting one because I do think that all the Pink Floyd guys post Pink Floyd move into some territory of what are we exactly pulling off right now? And I even I'm I'm out by uh, Roger Waters kicked kicked me out of Pink Floyd before their career was over. Right, I just couldn't <laughs> deal with it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good one because Jeffy, that that one apparently creates an odor. I want to run a couple of others by you to see if anybody gets a has a spark to any of these because um, strikes me that the the movie Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band might have been oh, Waterloo man. for the Bee Gees and possibly Frampton, right? I think that's uh, I think that's I think that is it's one of those things though because everything runs through a everything runs through a sort of a meter of being. Hated than being somewhat nostalgic. Now it's moved into some bizarre classic territory for certain people who don't remember that it. Movie being. has yes, like Xanadu, like well, Xanadu exactly like Xanadu. Isn't classic territory. Nobody's thinking of doing that movie as a musical on Broadway right now. Um, the only thing that I can remember really enjoying from that movie is that um, Kevin, one of both your and my least favorite Beatles songs, is delightful on that in that movie because it's Steve Martin doing Max oh, Maxwell Silverhammer. Yes, I. Uh, I would agree. That is great. And I think the, the Alice Cooper performance is great. I think Aerosmith's performance is obviously great. But I will tell obviously. you, I don't know if you've seen the film recently, but I no. was I was watching it. And, About and, 10 years ago. Yeah, at the, it's towards still the, terrible. Towards the end of it, though, there's a point in which everyone is dying. And, and I believe Peter Frampton is jumping off a building to commit suicide. And I thought, how how's this film going to redeem itself? Unless the full Beatles come back together, this film can never story-wise redeem itself and then freaking billy preston shows up and gives the best performance of uh, that i've ever seen and single-handedly brings that movie back so i recommend that movie to anybody just for billy preston's closing performance uh, you know that you know, watch that performance but go ahead jeffy you would think frampton would come alive he did not <laughs> no it frampton, would, frampton yeah. came dead on arrival yeah. 
Um, yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I made I, Jeffy I, watch was that Was that worth stopping for? Fun, no. fun fact, I made Jeffy watch that movie. I you know did. what? You know what? Yes. You know what I'm Jeffy and I had a bad movie club for many a year, and yes. I brought Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. I, I own it on uh, a DVD, so anytime uh, your streaming service is shut down, I can uh, loan it to you guys. Um, I, I'd well, like to I, see I would. It. I haven't. I haven't seen it since. Uh, oh yeah. In the '70s on TV. <laughs> yeah. I would. I would put. I would say though, if we're gonna talk about that, I would say that's the opposite of a creative risk. I think the mistake of that was that it was creative safety, where everyone was moving into oh. a nostalgic hit record. And they thought, you know what? We can do no wrong by having all these Beatles tunes with the most popular bands in the world. And that's a True. new category, which is should have been a slam dunk, but yeah, turned into but an was, utter disaster. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. I think other ones that move into this category are like Secret Life of Plants by Stevie Wonder, which I love because Stevie Wonder can do no wrong, even though it was a bold, crazy, it kind of ruined his streak of four best albums of all time sort of run. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Chris Gaines is the obvious bold choice we haven't brought up here. Chris Gaines, yes, that was uh, the alter, the the alt rock alter ego of Garth Brooks. Yes, and I would say the only interesting thing that I found that Garth Brooks has ever done was try to be Chris Gaines. Well, uh, I, I, I would agree though, with you. That album didn't it win a Grammy for best hair piece and best facial hair piece? Best, best, soul, best facial hair piece, soul absolutely. Yeah, yeah well, well, much like Kiss, much you. like Kiss the Elder, it's for an unfinished film. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm going to quickly throw three at you right here. Okay. Because they're all of the same um, ilk, which is um, artists who decide that they are going to take to musical theater. And the three that I want to name is Paul Simon's Cape Man, U2's Spider-Man, and Randy Newman's Faust Man. Actually, Randy Newman just called it Faust. And I I will say this. I will say this. U2 is is a band that we will talk about at some later date they're highly overrated in some oh ways. oh but i love you um, no i i will i and, will go to and, my grave cape, defending cape you man too. is cape man was an absolute misfire but um randy newman's faust is actually a pretty great album might not have made a great show but it was a pretty great album and it, i was not hearing from randy newman james taylor as god and bonnie Raitt. there's some really good stuff on that album but it was a total failure i was well, not familiar about, with that um Paul Stanley as the Phantom of the Opera, <laughs> right? Or, or, or it also was um, uh, Sebastian Bach as as Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, right? Wasn't he in that as well? Yeah, we're some dropping some okay. important knowledge. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's that has nothing to do with anything. I don't these know. Guys, these are like, creative choices. Yeah, Bold Paul creative Stanley choices. Was, was was yeah, but it wasn't a, a musical venture by a band. It was. Somebody asked Paul Stanley if he, you know, and he was like, anything to get away from Gene for a month, I'll do that. Yeah, me. sure. That's why I did that Folgers commercial. <laughs> yes. So, Kate Manfast. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to do something else. This is the Grateful Dads podcast on the Starburns Audio Network. And we are back. Um... Wow, it is now time for my favorite recently renamed new segment, Brian's House of Wax. Oh. <laughs> it's better than vinyl, right? No, it is. It's House of Wax. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um... Uh, now, last week, Kevin, you kind of uh, gave him a giant bookend. Uh, somebody uh, might have, platform, you, yeah, I'm, yeah, or stole the whole segment for my own for my own lifestyle. Yeah, you want me to do that again? Yeah. Is what you're asking? I, I was asking if you wanted to, not that you should. Nobody's asking oh, you to do that no. again. Oh, you know what though? I can I can give it I can give it I can give it a little bit of a of a setup here, right? Right? Because well, this is okay. we're going to talk about we're talking about a uh, we're talking about an album that's 15 years old, about 2006, and I think one of the frameworks here is this is a time in which you know it's the iTunes era, it's the Napster era, it's the LimeWire era. The idea of the album is starting to become a little less relevant, and that's when today's album drops. And I think that's one of the important factors about how this album was made and received. You know, that's actually a platform that Brian can use. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. All right, let's go to Brian Frank. Brian, what is in your house of wax this week? Ooh. Listen, those who live in wax houses, you know. (laughs) Shouldn't light candles. Yeah. (laughs) Stay away from matches. Um, 
So yeah, uh, this week we do have uh, the Flaming Lips at war with the Mystics. As uh, Kevin almost accurately mentioned, it, it turned 15, exactly 15 years. You said about 15 years, 2000. Oh, oh, I was uh, just, yeah. exa- <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't, know when it, I don't know what day it dropped. Yes. What day, what day, um, yeah. It was released on April 3rd, 2006, which okay. makes uh, April 3rd, 2021, its 15th anniversary. Um and yeah, it, it was an interesting time in music and, and what we would call back then alternative music. Um, just a couple of our quick facts. Uh, the band recorded this with the incredible Dave Fridman at his Tarbox Studios in Casadega, New York. Uh, I'm also honored enough that one of my management clients actually recorded an album with Dave uh, at his studio, which is a, always a unique and interesting experience. And if you're unfamiliar with his... Because he doesn't wear clothes. Um, well, it's an interesting place. He does wear clothes. He does wear oh, okay. clothes. Yeah, I'm Wrong sorry guy, to then. shatter that illusion. Yeah, Clothes of his own uh, make, though. Right, right. He knits Home He group. knits his own clothes. He knits his own clothes. <laughs> Out of his beard. <laughs> it is known. Yes. I'm um, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, bro. <laughs> no, it's great. Um, and he really uh, has been the Flaming Lips partner for all uh, their most um, well-known releases. You know, they really work with him. He's almost a member of the band in the studio. Um, and what's interesting, too, I'd say, Kevin, in addition to it being this era of maybe the death of the album, right? Mm. Um, I think it was an interesting time for the band because you think about a band who um, started in real obscurity, slowly grew, grew, grew. Uh, two albums prior to this one, The Soft Bulletin in 1999, was pretty damn big for them. But then in 2002, the album prior to this one was Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. Oh, which I was love the, that album. Right? And that was, that was the first record where they both had critical and commercial success. You know, like we were talking about before with Creative Risks, the band had had a lot of critical success, but not as much commercial success. They, when they got to making this album, I think, I wasn't there, but they achieved everything they could possibly have imagined they could achieve, right? They had hit the pinnacle. And so I think it's, it's an interesting moment for a band who's, you know, worked tirelessly for 20 years of their lives and they got the success. They won a Grammy, Right, they played all these huge tours. They were supposed to headline Question, Lollapalooza. Did, did yeah. they around this time? Because I remember they were played. They backed Beck. Was that before or after this mm-hmm. record? That was right before. So they backed Beck. Then they were supposed to be one of the headliners on the 2004 wow. Lollapalooza tour, which was then canceled. Um, and then in 2005, the year prior was, it was when canceled that... in in anticipation of COVID. Sixteen years later, <laughs> exactly. They knew it was coming. They were yeah. like, "Listen, kids." I told them it was premature, but they went ahead and canceled it. (laughs) And there was the documentary about them that came out. I mean, they were like fully, fully on the map when they went to make this record. So I can imagine, you know, it was an interesting time for them. So the question is, did they fuck it all up with this record? In my personal opinion, this may be, this may be my favorite my personal favorite Flaming Lips record from top to bottom, and I and I'm saying this wow provocatively. No, I, I, could, I could I could see I could see that as point. an album. Yeah, as an you album. have provoked me. You have right? provoked me. Good. That's provocative. Good. Um, and he's been and waiting to get this Grateful Dead revenge on you for the entire yeah, episode. Exactly. Right now. Well, that, no, no. But here's the thing: is <laughs> how dare you? As as, as a top to bottom album, it's. It's a really compelling listen. It's an interesting listen. And to Kevin's point, in the era of iTunes, I don't know that someone's listening to a double vinyl record. I'm holding in my hands an original pressing double vinyl record. Oh, man. How many many were pressed? (laughs) How many did they press then? Three? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the fucking (laughs) weirdo that I am. And But that's the thing. It really works as a record. And I want to highlight, and maybe we can actually play uh, a moment of this the sound of failure which is the last right. song on the first side i mean that's like, certainly a, that's certainly yeah. a bold title and yeah. <laughs> haven't got a clue a also a bold I can't title, wait to see a song title well, well let me let me let me ask you this brian because i need yeah. to know this uh 
It's also it's always important to me when you're when you're sequencing a record that even in my yeah. mind, even in the CDH, I would always look at it and try to figure out where does side one end and side two begin because I need to I need to compartmentalize these things. Mm-hmm. Where does side one does it end? Does side one end with the wizard lives on? No, so I mean, side one. I mean, I mean, record one with the first record half. one. Yes, yes, yes. correct. Nice. That, in on. my brain, exactly. I flipped over the cassette after that song every time. Good, even God. though yes. no one did that. Yes. All right. So, Brian, Brian, is there anything you want to say about this song before we hear a little bit about it? Yeah. Um, I'd love. Like, to what do we want to hear on this? That towards the end, the flute sound. Now, I don't know definitively if this is an actual flute or a synthetic flute. But the organic sounds that they have on this record is what makes it for me. That's, that's what I want everyone to enjoy. Let's hear this. heard that yes all right. i'm still not persuaded that this is the best flaming lip well song, okay, right? okay but you know we need, we need to back away this context you know because because the best is a it's a bold claim it's it's incendiary even however i didn't say uh, i didn't yeah. say best i said this may be my favorite i didn't yes. say it was I, I don't even believe that but okay oh oh that's bold <laughs> that's bold okay so here's the deal here's the deal though. let's back up let's pull away from that let's bring it down from the maximum intensity that's oh really no i'm gonna punch you right Brian. there don't, no don't it's getting really tense in here it's getting tense in here let's back it off <laughs> The question I have for you, in the context of this album, how does it feel to you? How does it hold up? I was looking forward to listening to this again because um, it came out, and I was such a huge fan of, of Yoshimi. And I was like, this is great. And I listened to it the first time, and I was like, I'm going to listen to this a lot because I love it. And then it kind of fell off my radar pretty quick, and I wasn't really sure why. Listening to it again, I get why. It was Mr. Ambulance Driver. It was Mr. No, Mr. Amos Driver is definitely like part song. of the problem. You are I, I right. I like that song now. Like it is both a, a good now. song and part of the problem. And the problem is, is that um, what's that dude's name? Is it Coin Wayne Coin? Yep. Mm-hmm. Wayne Coin's um, limitations as um, a, a um, singer and as a, arguably as a songwriter really come to the fore on this album. There's a lot of time dithering back and forth in a pseudo Pink Floyd fashion between three chords or often just two chords and his, and the tricks that he does with with melody are get repetitive to me and mm-hmm. also i will say there are parts of the album that are off-putting deliberately as though a band had reached the pinnacle of its success and was like now you have to love me with this and that's and that's why i want to segue to the yeah 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 song which is a fantastic beginning for an album it's a good song, maybe the best song on the album, although I think Going On is another candidate for that. But he festoons it with all the farty synth noises that 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 inhabit the album and his own cracked voice warbling that. <laughs> and Their the highest that- charting single in yeah. the UK in the yeah. band's history. And no. also something that's frustrating to the listener because you kind of like are like, why is that throaty, you know, phlegm well, but, throat uh, but, warbling but the, in my ear? Uh, to that point, I would, I would, I like that song. It's not my favorite song on the album, but but its chart success is exactly why no one ever asked me to pick singles off of albums because that that is obvious. I would never pick that as the hit or the or the lead or that sort of thing. And it absolutely hit something that people weren't prepared for it separated them from other people like i think that obviously worked but i do i i think musically this holds up but more than i more than i thought it was going to do you know i mean i mean it's in that dated stage there's definitely say, like a well there's at least yes. one song that there's at least one song that i wish uh prince was playing you know free, free radicals oh, free like, radicals is my oh. favorite song on this on the album and and probably for that reason but free radicals is stellar That 
to me is the first single. Like I would have picked that and that would have been that I'm, and the wand and the there. wand still holds up. The wand to me is yeah. top to bottom a great mm-hmm, mm-hmm. single and a great pop tune and a great riff. It is a great guitar riff, and well, I'm drawn great, straight to there's that. There's a great riff in the wand and in uh, Free Radicals. Free Radicals. Yeah. That's why I think Jeffy. Maybe that's why I'm drawn to on this. point because they <laughs> because that chunky, chunky riff with a few better yeah. musicians and a few less studio bells. Exactly. Yeah. I want to hear Prince playing that. Ri- that yeah, that and tune. let Prince let let Prince's band chunk down on that while Prince yeah. plays a guitar solo, and then you have yeah. then you have yeah, some- and then the top of your head just comes clean off. Right. Absolutely. But, but I would say I would say yeah. sonically it it's I mean again it's dated isn't it's in that dated phase before it's like oh wow it sounds nicely dated you know but it still holds up really well and I thought musically it held up well it it was lyrics that I found did not stand the test of time like obviously it's got the Britney references and the Gwen Stefani references it's got the your poor man's Donald Trump reference that doesn't quite yeah. mean what it meant in 2006 it definitely um, the it meaning meant that has, in 2006 the, either yeah, yeah the meaning has changed but I'm not it's sure changed a lot it. well I you know what it feels like to me it feels it feels a little it almost has like a naive smugness sometimes in the lyrics that I, I feel like listening to say Jefferson Airplane or things like that where there's this like it's so topical and about things of its time that now, all these years later, it seems like, oh, wow. I, I, I felt very nostalgic listening to it, thinking I'd love to worry about the problems I worried about back in 2006. Do you know what I mean? We thought it was, yeah. we thought it was terrible. And, man, what a great time that was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and, it's, and there is that feeling of, like, they have so much to teach us. And then you listen yes. to them and you realize they really don't. They had nothing to teach us. They have very little to teach us. Yeah. And, and, also, and they, they should not have been putting themselves forward as teachers. I think you're right, except I I still, and I, I'm almost scared to listen to it again because I've listened to it hundreds of times, but not since I revisited uh, this album. But I feel like they did everything better on Yoshimi than they did on this. I mean, like, I feel like Fight Test has all that crunchiness that we were just talking about. Do You Realize is a beautiful sentimental song that kind of does mm-hmm. everything that they're trying to do on this new album better. Um Ego tripping the gates of hell. Yoshimi battles the pink robots. Part one itself is kind of covers all the ground that they might be trying to cover on the new album. Uh, yeah, I think that's. I think there's obviously the personal issue here that ne- that's often the case, right? Where your band makes one of your favorite records of all time, and the follow, and they get this swell, this big swell, and the follow up ends up disappointing you because it can't live up to your hype. But yeah. that follow-up right. happens to get the promotion that it needs. It happens to get the stuff that it right. needs. And then it ends up being the top-selling album. And then you spend the rest of your life being like, what the hell? That's not as good as the previous. That, that's well, that no, exactly what happened. Routine. But let's yeah. be clear, exactly your, Yoshimi was bigger, though, than this one. In terms Yoshimi of what? Yoshimi was bigger than this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yoshimi is their peak critical and commercial acclaim. This oh, I didn't right. that it started, so I'm right uh, yeah. and I'm right. This, oh, look at yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, so it turned out, you know what? My bad. I take it all back. You're correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this came down a little from that, but right. uh, we'll, we'll discuss that in the 20th anniversary. And um, yeah, I mean, here's the thing is when you put it in the context of where they were coming from, from the prior to, uh, I understand your point, Adam, and go back and listen to it and compare. I was pleasantly surprised when I went back and listened to this one that I did enjoy it so much all the way through. And that's the I thing, because I was unpleasantly surprised. There you go. Fair uh, enough. Yeah. Fair no, enough. I would I would add in I was pleasantly surprised. I think I think but the you pressure like the I put on that, the album. The, yeah. Yeah, I no, put, neither is Kevin. Oh no. No, it's a whole different thing. No, but anyhow, but the, yeah, I thought I really enjoyed listening to this. I think part of it, the pressure, pressure in my mind to save the album format, which I unfortunately put on this record back in 2006, is no longer there, and so I got to enjoy it for what it is. But, uh, but yeah, I think it holds up. I think it's one of the better 2000s records. I'll, I'll say this: not to me, not only does it um, not live up to the promise of the previous albums, but it doesn't live up for me, to the promise of the riffs that start each song. Because they start each song with such amazing sonic innovation and bombast that when a song starts, you're just like, I am so locked in, I can't wait to hear where this goes. And then to me, it doesn't really go anywhere. I think the wand breaks that particular rule. The wand goes to a vocal melody, the vocal melody surprises me, and it's in this high register, and it, it just kicks ass on every level, and then it keeps going back to the riff. So I think, I mean, again, if someone asked me to pick the hit single off of this, it would have been The Wand, which I do believe became a commercial 
jingle for a period of time. They licensed it out, if I remember right. So I remember hearing it on commercials. So yeah, and the wand was was a was a fairly for them it was a successful single, just not as big as yeah yeah. yeah. But okay. it was a big single. Yeah. Good good. See, I can be a radio programmer. Well, this right? is, sure. This not? has been Brian's House of Wax. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take a second and pay the bills, and we'll be right back after this. And we're back. Boy, that was a terrific product we were just talking about. And I, I do love that, that you yeah. all buy a lot of those and use our code because that reflects well on us and um, helps fund this podcast that over two episodes you've come to enjoy so much. Um, all right, let's go to my favorite segment in some ways, which is guilty pleasures. I don't what know. What do you mean in some ways? Up. Well, in some ways, I do like hearing Brian bringing his house of wax. And, uh, you know, I love. Me and Kevin getting self-indulgent over our uh, our band stuff. And when we opened the floor up to our general discussion, like this week's discussion about artistic risks, you know, that's the meat and potatoes of our podcast. But what do you mean self-indulgent? <laughs> this whole podcast is, like every podcast, is nothing but self-indulgent. But I want to no, move forward. What are you guilty about? What are your guilty pleasures? What are songs that, and, and stipulating that Brian Frank is guilty about nothing. Right, he's right, like, and ultimately, not... this is this is pleasures. Like we say, we're guilty yeah, about we're, it. It's, we're it's mostly because like we're trying to keep our we're trying we're to keep trying our cool, to, but to really, just comes up straight up term pleasures and it, use it to empower ourselves. Right, that's right. So Jeffy. we're making so enjoy whatever we want without judgment, without fear. Okay, so Jeffy, without judgment and without fear, why don't you start this week? I'm afraid. <laughs> you're not judged you're not judged okay you're in a safe place come on i'm not i'm uh, not so sure about that jeffy let's I'm hear going let's back hear to, to 1985 it's by cameo and it's called candy it's like We took a break to listen to that, and I hope our listeners I mean, did. I've got to say, Jeffy, I'm absolving you from all guilt. That is a great oh song. Oh, my God. That is fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank it's you. a really good song. I can't I believe do I didn't come know here that for song. absolution. Yeah, but you're, give, you're being given it. Because <laughs> it, it is, because there's that no is guilt. It is appreciated. That was awesome. There was no guilt. That was just pure pleasure. Yeah. All is that pleasure. album worth it? Because it was word up and that. Uh, I now think I'm like, I need to die. I mean, you're, you're two songs the first in. two songs are great. I. Word Up and Candy are great, but honestly, you know, I had the cassette at the time, contemporaneously, if you will, and I didn't listen much past the first two songs. Right. So it was the kind of thing where you listened to it for one or two times and you were like, the first two songs is where the money is. Yeah. I had a similar experience with Billy Ocean Love Zone, and only this year that I get deeper into that. I got into the track two of that, and it was worth it. Rather than getting into that, why don't you get into your guilty pleasure? Oh, you know what? You know what? I'm my guilty pleasure. I I feel pretty I feel pretty strong in my convictions of of rock and stuff that I can admit to this. And I think people should come around to start admitting to it too, is that I'd like We Built This City by Starship. I thoroughly enjoy We Built This City. Yeah, I do not. I am yeah, going to start a grassroots switch. It's time for us to rethink this much maligned song. And but all it, I know is but when it I is heard, terrible. Well, yeah, but but if I got rid of the songs that were terrible that I enjoy, I'd listen to half the music I listen to. I love. Touche. I uh, I mean, again, it's the age. I forget. What, I might have been nine or ten when that came out, and it was awesome. And it was an awesome song. And so there's a part of me that knows it's ridiculous, and it's also terrible. But there's a part of me that still remembers how exciting I get at every part of that song. So yeah, it's I'm great. Big. And and backed by the the follow up single Sarah. Yes, great another ballad, another great right? song. Right. Oh man, you know what? Yeah, it's time to rethink this. It's time for the world no to revisit. Time is a good this. time for goodbye, and I would disagree with that because I think the moment you see that album, it's a good time for goodbye. So no absolution is what he's yeah, saying. Yeah, no one's no. Yeah, no, what are you no, trying no, to say? I'll, are you are you I, absolving me of this? I, I, I don't care. I'm gonna, Whatever. I'm going to absolve you because you were a kid. 
I was a t- I was an early teen, and I thought it was like the worst thing I'd ever heard. So you need to come around. We gotta you win just, you over. You're just saying he was too young to know better. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's it's exciting rock if if you have yeah that if is your testicles right. have not descended. Yes, that's that is <laughs> wow. all that is accurate. Wow. All that once is accurate. your testicles descend, you're like oh. Wow, yeah. this song has no balls. But I have long gotten past this idea that I have to prove something with my my pretending to hate We Built This City. No. You know yeah. what? No, 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 it's you don't. Because it's it's like the Itsy Bitsy Spider. You can't pretend to hate that song because, you know, who you pretends like to Who pretends to hate that song? <laughs> I, I, Fuck oh, that song, I, man. <laughs> Itsy Bitsy Spider went up the water spout. I remember in second grade, <laughs> I was like, that street song's not cred. cool. Yeah, in second grade, <laughs> you were listening to it. What's your favorite song, Adam? And I was like, ah, uh, I don't know. We built the city, maybe. <laughs> Definitely not the Itsy Bitsy Spider. <laughs> yeah, as as far as as far as hating that song, I'm not pretending. You're not pretending that you, you just hate it. I just hate it. it. Yeah, but you're, obviously you're allowed to. Yeah. But you okay. might you might be wrong, but you're allowed to hate it. No, but well, right. like like it's the drama, I guess, that attracts you. Like right, it's like glam. Without any of the irony that we associate with glam, absolutely, it is it is straight up excited about something that I don't fully comprehend exactly what they're excited about. There's some connections the to the original transition. <laughs> yeah, there's oh, some the way, transition. Which... There's some 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 initial uh, connections to the to the to the radio. You know, the inventor. It's, it, it, there's a whole <laughs> what, lot of nonsense. What city? What city did they build? This city. This one. This yeah. city. Dude, Come on, dude. Right in the song. <laughs> what part of the lyrics don't you understand? All those yeah. incredibly, all those incredibly square fills, like dun dun. Oh, Dude, it's, it's right on the money. It's right on the money. Uh, all right, it's, we got you know to do what? a whole segment about like bands from the '60s that had hits in the '80s. No, you know? yeah, know, that is that's like, a transition people don't talk about. Yeah. Like, I thought the difference between Jefferson Airplane to Starship was like 400 years as a kid, but that's really like 15 years tops. That's like a band from not even 2000, yeah. yeah 2006. That'd be like the Flaming Lips now being known as Lips, and they're like entirely <laughs> a pop group right now right. like it's a whole yeah. different idea that we can't comprehend you can't even talk about starship yeah. that's, no, uh, that's exactly that is, it. And that, yeah. is that starship or jefferson starship that's starship at that point starship yeah Ugh. that's what and i mean it, it went starship. through jefferson starship because yeah. obviously airplanes weren't quite so cool yeah but yeah. i'll say why fucking... didn't they do jefferson jet like the alliteration is just waiting for them yeah well they weren't that clever jeffy no, it okay. starts from the Paul Kantner solo record, which I played the other day. I don't know if you guys saw, where he he invented the Jefferson Star, the Starship moniker. Oh, on, his on your solo uh, Instagram feed, your fantastic yes. Instagram feed. Yes. Well, Brian, um, as long as you're in yeah. the spotlight here, I want sure. to segue over to your guilty pleasure. Okay, so I was thinking about. I think it was last time we were talking about our songs that kind of got us through the pandemic, right? Our guilty pleasure for the pandemic, and I was sure. I was mentioning. A, a classic that you guys derided me for, my love, <laughs> oh, my love of the flugelhorn. And okay. um, there's another Chuck song. Mangione. Yeah, right. Chuck Mangione. Um, there's another song that I've listened to a lot over the last year. That just Is it always equally me... flugelhorny? No, no flugelhorn. <laughs> it makes me feel so good, honestly. So, it brings a smile every time. Give Me the Night by George Benson. Anybody? Oh. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. I'm with you. Again, that's not down. That's yeah. not guilty. It's not no. guilty, really? That's I'm not. not, I'm not, not no. You know Why would that be guilty? guilty? It was guys. Guys, you're not. You guys have not. You guys have not followed the assignment. I picked a legitimate guilty song that everyone hates. I was willing to put myself out there. Yeah. You guys are like, yeah. I like this song. I like this song. It's like so, like, kind of totally cool. Thanks, guys. Really? Is George is Benson give me the night? I think Brian, totally I like cool. George Benson give me the night. I mean, it, I think it is might right just Benson be that we are cooler than you. Oh, man. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. got to be it. There was, that's awesome. definitely, there was definitely a period of time during which George Benson was not cool, and I believe that that is what Brian is referring to. I, you know, yeah, yeah, I could see I could see that. But time has been kind to George Benson, I feel like. Really? Do you think so? Yes. 
Wow. I don't think anybody remembers him, but he's he's not on yeah. Google anymore. I do. You're, you're, you're changing my whole world view right now. This is amazing. <laughs> I feel so vindicated in my love See, this, for George Benson. <laughs> Damn. This is what this segment is. Is there anything else about George Benson you want to share with the group, Brian? His transition from a teenage jazz guitar um, star, basically, like, right? Uh, what do you call that? A Prodigy. Young, teenage jazz guitar prodigy. star. Prodigy, thank you, yeah, Kevin. Thank you. Uh, from young jazz prodigy to then essentially like disco soul guy, right? I love his style cues, the big open, you know, open shirt, unbuttoned to the waist, gold chain. Like I will rock oh, that yeah. any day, oh, yeah. you know? Um, and um, uh, also toucans and parrots on your album cover uh, with palm yep. fronds, always a good move. My book. Yeah. Well, yeah. Very yeah, tropical. Yeah. Very tropical. Tropical. Yeah. He was a, yeah. He was a parrot head. Um, <laughs> all right. You know what? I'm going to endorse that. I'm going to break out mine. And you guys are going to, Kevin might say that this doesn't count as guilty pleasure, but back when I loved it, it was, or shortly after I loved it, it was. I was in the car the other day with my daughter, and she had me put on one of her favorite songs, Mr. Blue Sky. This isn't isn't so much a guilty pleasure now. You're vindicated of years of shame is what this is coming out out to be. Mm. Like, everyone loves this now. This is supposed to be a healing segment, In my heart, I'm still not vindicated for this. No? Um, No, because I know your teen years are your formative years, and, like, uh, you know. Your children love this. Like, everything. You built a world in which this is loved. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You built that city. only I could feel it. Only you could feel love. roll. Yes. You built those city streets. You built those city streets on smooth rock and roll. It's so true. All right. Well, on that, I want to say this then. Uh, Guys, we've gotten to the end of our our next episode of The Grateful Dad. That is true. This is undeniable. We did. It's, It's time to thank everybody. First of all, our editor, our producer, the mighty, mighty Kyle McGraw. Thank you so much, man. For everything, I want to Woo! thank Starburns Audio and everybody over there, including Land Romo, our major domo. Um, I want to thank all our sponsors. You should really think about using those codes. We will be back next week with another episode. Um, is there anybody left to thank? I want to thank Kevin. I want to thank Brian. I want to thank Jeffy. And I want to thank Rock and Roll. <laughs> oh, okay. We're gonna thank you too, That's Adam. Nice this is a big warm oh, hug at the end, I you know. And you know what? You that. should feel you should feel good about your your life. A podcast network.